life that you have attempted to do that somebody said was impossible? And maybe, you know, and, and if you have and you succeeded, I would really like to hear about it. I mean, it could be something as simple as getting the job that they said it was impossible for you to get or getting the girl or winning the game or getting the house. If there's anything that you, someone, that's, uh, someone said it was impossible that you attempted and you're able to do that, I'd like to hear about it after the service. Um, there's a couple of people I want to point out today that, that did things that I would consider impossible. The first is a guy who chose to do something that seems kind of impossible. Maybe after you hear about him, you'll agree. And the second is a gal who kind of had this position put on her. She didn't attempt this. She just happened to be at the wrong or the right place at the right time, depending on your view of, of what happened to her. But she got to experience something impossible. The first is this guy by the name of Wim Hof, a.k.a. Iceman. Does it, has anybody ever heard about this guy? He's a guy who, he has, he holds multiple records for doing stuff like this. Here he's running barefoot, and whether it's like four degrees below, uh, just because he can. And he's up in the Arctic, and he's running a marathon. It's not like he's just out there for a little stroll. He's out there for the 26.2 or the 26.6 miles to attempt something impossible in his shorts, which he succeeded doing. Now, I did go out and test this. I, ran, I tried to run around the block as many times as I could, barefooted. No, actually, I didn't. I didn't think I could make it once. <laughs> I thought, that's impossible. This other thing he's doing is he's, he's setting his own record where he's sitting in like an ice bucket. He's just full of snow and ice and water for an hour and 44 minutes. Why? I don't know. It's impossible. I don't know why he would do something like that, but this guy, that's why he gets the nickname Iceman. He continually does these things. He climbed Mount Kilimanjaro barefooted in two days just wearing shorts. Anyway, impossible. I think it's stupid, but it's impossible just the same. This other one, does anybody recognize this picture or her name? I, I wouldn't because I wasn't alive when this took place, but she was, she has the record for the longest, the world record for surviving the highest fall without a parachute. Anybody want to take a guess how, how far that is? It was 33, it was estimated to be 33,330 feet that she fell without a parachute. She happened to be in an airplane, that there, there was terrorists, the bomb exploded, and she was the only one that survived. And she, she had like temporary problems with fractures, and uh, her legs weren't working for a while, but now she, you know, after she recovered. Something pretty impossible. Anybody say, hey, I want to attempt either of those things? What would happen if you attempted an airplane fall that far? It would, it would explode, right? It would just, you wouldn't have a chance. They just, just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. This other guy, I think I would probably die, you know, of the cold. I don't think I can handle it. If you've ever just stuck your hand in a bucket of water, I know, like, I was out with Arlie one day this winter, and there was one of those troughs full of water for the cows, and it was full of ice. And I was just thinking, like, how long could you hold your hand in there? It just, I couldn't even do that with my hand, let it moan my whole body. Pretty, pretty crazy things that people have gone through. I know I don't like to attempt impossible things. If you tell me it's impossible, I don't want to try it. I don't, I don't need to try to prove somebody wrong. I don't, I don't want to look humiliated. I don't want to be like, duh, we told you it was impossible, so I'm not going to try those things. Does any uh, stories from the Bible come to mind of things that are impossible that took place? I came up with a couple. The first one is in Exodus 17, verse 6. Moses is supposed to give the people water. He takes his wooden staff and goes, 
tap, tap, and guess what starts coming out of it? Water, right? Just kind of like this picture here, that's really something that's impossible. I mean, you could go out there and beat it on with a hammer, and nothing is going to come out of that rock. Eventually, your hammer will wear out or your rock is going to break, but water is not going to come out of that. Something impossible that God says you, it is actually possible. You got this guy here. His name is Elisha. Anybody here ever throw anything in the water that floated, that wasn't supposed to float? You, take a, you go to the wishing wells, and you say, hey, I want to wish for some girl to marry me or some guy to ask me out or for, for a million dollars or something. You throw your little penny in the wishing well, and guess what happens with the penny? It sinks, right? Every time, 100%, it's going to sink. Well, this guy was borrowing an axe head, or he's borrowing an axe, and whoops, there goes the axe head. It goes in the water, and, of course, it sinks. And apparently it's deep enough because he doesn't go in and try to get the axe head out. So Elisha throws a stick out in the water and where that, the axe head floated, right where that was at. And guess what? They could get the axe head, but that's impossible, right? I mean, you, the only chance you could have is if the ice is frozen and you throw something out there and it's going to stay, but that's not the case. And speaking of water and walking on it, you have a guy by the name of Peter, how many people here have ever attempted to walk in water? Boy, I'd love to be able to do that. But again, it's got to be a frozen lake if you're going to do that. But Peter was able to do the impossible. And today we're going to be looking at the Christmas story, at Christmas Impossible, because really it's an impossible story that God made possible. <clears throat> I want to read through the story, Luke chapter 2. No, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to, to 38. If, you, if you'd like to follow along, it says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, Well, how can this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her, whole, her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Let's pray again and ask for God's blessing. God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the chance to share this. I thank you, God, that you have done lots of impossible things in the Bible. God, that you just use ordinary average people to accomplish your will as long as they're faithful to try. And I just pray that, God, we would be those kinds of people to do, accomplish impossible things, to accomplish everyday ordinary things because you've asked us to. And I just pray that you'd use us. I pray, God, again, as I open my mouth, that we would hear exactly from you how we can attempt those things, how we can be faithful to what you've given us to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we see that God uses normal people to do impossible things. Now, you might realize, you know what, God uses abnormal people to do impossible things. The people with the special talents, people who can play the piano, people who can sing, people who can memorize. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of things, and you say, of course God's going to use those people. Look what they can do. 
It's, and, there, and there is a lot of amazing things. Alan Jackson getting up there and singing, you know what, if I had a concert, guess who would show up? Maybe you guys would because you were stuck here already, but nobody's going to come. You say, of course God's going to use Alan Jackson. Look what he can do. So we all know God can use people who have a special singing ability or a special speaking ability or a special connection with people. But guess what? God can use average, ordinary people just like me and just like you. And maybe, maybe you feel like that's you today. Like, I'm just an average Joe. I don't sing. I don't dance. I don't speak. I don't. I'm just like everybody else. There's nothing about me that really sets me apart. That's okay because God can use you. And God starts off using a girl named Mary to accomplish his plan. Now, Mary, she's, she's in the stage of life. She's around 13 to 17 years old, and she's pledged to be married. And she's just going through, through life like this is what's always going on. People get married at my age. They start having families, and then life just keeps going on and on. And so that's what Mary's doing. And she's, she's happy with that. I'm sure she's excited about Joseph, and she's hopefully has gotten to know him a little bit, and, and she's looking forward to getting married to him. But, but she's just an ordinary person. And she's an ordinary person who really doesn't have a whole lot to, to bring to the table. She doesn't have a lot of rights. She doesn't have a lot of privileges. She, people look at girls as like, yeah, okay, we need them because they birth and they give off, hopefully, sons. But other than that, they're not worth a lot. They, they don't get a vote. They don't get to make decisions. You just take care of the kids and keep your mouth shut. And that's what they thought of her. And Mary's just an average, ordinary person, nothing special. You don't read anything about her being a good big sister, of, of her writing a story, of her doing anything. She's just ordinary. She's just average. Anybody relate to that? I'm not unique. I'm ordinary. I'm average. Uh, hopefully you don't. Hopefully you say, no, I'm something special because God made me that way. But chances are you just feel like, nope, I'm just like everybody else. I just live in this little town of Plevna or, or somewhere else, but I'm just, I'm just me and I don't do a whole lot. But if you want to be used by God, that's okay. You can be an average, ordinary person because God likes to do, use average, ordinary people to do incredible things. You have this picture of Mary. She's just a girl having a baby. Not, not amazing, except for you find out where the baby was from God, but other than that, she's just an average, ordinary girl. And God can even use average, ordinary people just like Noah and Caleb. Noah is... 11, Caleb is 8, they, they got up here, just an average, ordinary thing, but God says, hey, you know what, these guys haven't proved themselves, they haven't done anything big and miraculous, but God says, I can use those people, and maybe he will, I don't know, you're average and ordinary, that's okay, God can use you, but God doesn't just use ordinary people to do his will, to accomplish miracles, God uses faithful people to do impossible tasks. Now, i got to say, though, that God also uses unfaithful people to do impossible things. Because there's a guy by the name of Jonah who was supposed to go to the enemy of Nineveh, and he was supposed to preach, and they were supposed to repent and turn to God. And guess what he wanted to do? He says, no way, Jose. I'm going to get on a boat and go the opposite direction. And God says, you know what, Jonah? I want to use you for this, so I'm going to have those guys throw you in the water. A great big fish is going to swallow you, and he's going to bring you right back to where I want you. Because God doesn't have to use faithful people to do impossible tasks. But how, much, how many people think that God likes, would rather, if he had to choose between unfaithful and faithful, how many people think God would rather use faithful people to accomplish his tasks? I think he says, that's a whole lot easier. You know, that's the way it's designed, is I, I have this task that I want someone to do. And if they're willing to say yes, it's all the better. 
And so God would rather do that. But God uses a faithful girl who, to do something uh, impossible, to have the birth of his son. Verses 28 to 33, it says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son. Now, that's, to me, when I look at that, I don't think, wow, that's really amazing because she's going to get married. He didn't, it didn't say when this was going to come. So, you know, you get married, and one of the, usually the byproducts of that is having kids. And so you can look and say, yeah, most likely that's going to happen. But it goes on to say, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which is cool. I mean, sure, you're going to pick out my son's name. Um, but it says, he will be great. It will be called the son of the most high. Now, wait a second. My name is Mary. I'm marrying a guy named Joseph. He's just a poor carpenter. I don't even know how we're going to make ends meet. And you're telling me the son I'm going to have is the son of the most high? I mean, to me, it looks like this angel got something mixed up. Like, he's talking to the wrong girl about who, whose son she's going to have because she's going to marry Joseph. But nothing is impossible with God, and this child is not going to be from Joseph. It's going to be, be from God. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon her and, and make her pregnant in his, the special way that he did that, and she's going to have the Son of God. But it seems like an impossibility in order for that to happen. I don't even understand really what that means. The, the shadow of the Most High is going to come upon you. You know, when you, you hold up, okay, now I have a shadow. You know, it's like I don't feel any different. I, I don't think she probably felt any different. God just says, here, I'm going to make this happen, and it's going to be kind of like this. But God uses faithful people to do impossible tasks. Now, like I said, we already don't know what Mary was like when she was younger. But I'm going to wager or, or guess here that she probably was faithful to the God that she knew. As much as she understood his word, she tried to put it into practice. We know we can deduce certain things about this girl, that she was a virgin. She had to be. Because in Isaiah 7:14 it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. In order for this to, for Jesus or God to use Mary, she had to be a virgin. And so she had to, most likely, she was keeping lots of other areas in her life correct. I doubt she was a liar, because I, I think if she was to go around and say, uh, I, this baby really isn't from Joseph or from somebody else, it's from God, people would say, yep, that's Mary. That's another lie that she's telling us. How do I know the truth? So I'm, I'm just putting this all together to say, I think Mary's past made an impact on how God was going to use her in the future. And God uses faithful people today. Now I can't, I try to come up with a list of all these impossible things that God could possibly use you for, or use me for, but guess what? They sound so impossible, it's hard to even come up with anything. But God can use you for something impossible. Let your minds run wild of what they could possibly, maybe it's right, Maybe it's not, I don't know. More than likely, God's going to use you for something common, something ordinary, a task that's every day. It might be something as simple as, hey, you know what, Todd? I want you to teach a Bible study. And guess what? Todd's teaching a Bible study. You might say, hey, I want you to go say Merry Christmas to your neighbors at work. You know, they, I know they don't believe in me, but I want you just to say these ordinary words or invite kids to Awana. Do something to help the needy. Just everyday ordinary things that he's going he's gonna to call and ask you to do. God likes to use faithful people for those kinds of things. 
the thing is, are we going to be faithful ourselves? And, and, being, and saying yes to those things that he has given us to do. Sorry, no one's getting out of a shorter message. I found page number three. So are we, are, if we want to be used by God, are we choosing to be faithful in every, every area of our life? Because I think Mary was just a simple girl, said, yes, mother. She did her chores when she was supposed to. She probably watched her little brothers and sisters. When she went to the market, she was very honest. Everything that she did, and God decided he was going to use her. And I th- if you want to be used by God, I think you probably got to do the same thing. You got to be faithful with every area of life. I got to be faithful to my spouse. What does that have to do with God using me for something? Maybe nothing specifically, but God looks and says, "Hey, Josh is being faithful in this area, so I'm going to use him faithful in, the, in this another area." And my commitments to work, or to my family, or to church, or even to things that I read in God's Word. Am I faithful to put those things into practice? Am I faithful to read His Word so I know that he, what He's even asking me to do? Be faithful with all these. Things that don't seem like something that is big and massive and important. Be faithful with every little thing, and then God might use you for something bigger. You know, if you've ever been a boss, um, I've, I've never been a boss, but I've been in situations where I've asked people to do things, most, mostly with church, like with a WAN or a VBS, and it's like, if I'm going to pick people to use them for something, guess who I'm going to pick? I've made the mistake of, of picking somebody who for VBS a couple years ago that I thought was going to do the crafts for it all. And guess what I was doing at the last couple of days? I was on the phone begging my sister to come from Idaho to please save the day because I didn't do a good job of picking somebody. But guess what happened the next year? This same gal's like, oh, please, I want to do, I want to do VBS crafts. And guess what I said? Uh, you can help with them. You know, you can help with crafts. I need another leader to do that. And I think God sees the same thing. You were faithful with this, guess what? Now I can use you for something else. But if we're not faithful with all these things, it's going to be hard for God to say, hey, yeah, I want to use you, even though he knows the outcome from the beginning. But I think God likes to use faithful people. But then here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's where you say uh, yes or no, because you're going to make your own decision. I mean, you could try to be like Jonah and say no and run away and hide every time God asks you to do something. He might grab you by the collar and say, no, you're going anyway. But a lot of times I think he's going to say, okay, you don't want to go talk to that person? I'm not going to make you. You don't want to go and help with that commitment that you had? I'm not going to make you. You don't want to go X, Y, and Z? I'm not going to make you. He's going to let you choose. But the faithful people say yes to the impossible task and the impossible, the possible task and the impossible task that God has asked to do. Mary was faithful. She said, okay, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I mean, she didn't know that what her parents were going to say to all this. She didn't know what Joseph was going to say. She didn't know. She's probably hoping that everybody's just going to accept what she said and be happy as, as she told everybody. But who's going to believe that? I mean, I think of uh, some of the youth group kids I had back in Davenport. I, I think of a couple of girls that if they would have come and told me something like that, I guess what I would have thought? Yeah, right. No way in the world would I believe you, even though... You're as righteous and as holy as you possibly could be, or you're not as holy and righteous as you could be. There is no way I'm going to believe a story like that. And she is probably facing the same thing. She has a good reputation. She has no idea what people are going to think, but she says, I'm going to do this. She says yes to this task. Verse 34 says, 
How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Now, I don't think she's like, wait a second, I know how this works. You know, I, I, we have animals. I know kind of, you know, after certain things, you, you get a baby calf or you get a baby donkey and the rabbits and all this kind of thing. I know how kind of how that works. And she wasn't rude like, dude, I wasn't doing that. I don't know. And so this is not happening. I think she's as polite as she could be saying, okay, I, I don't understand how this is possible because I've not been with a man and I know how these things work. I don't get it. I think she's as polite as she possibly can be when she's saying this to the angel. And the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he gives her more proof that nothing is impossible with him. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her, whole, her old age. She who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. So here's a little bit of proof. Here's a little bit of something to give you confidence, Mary, that nothing is impossible. Even this gal who is barren, who is really too old to have a child, is going to have this child in her old age because nothing is impossible with God. How many of you think it was easy for her to say, okay, I'll, I'll do it? You know, I'd like to say because an angel told her, it would be a piece of cake, but I can only imagine, you know, in my, in my own situation, if an angel told me to do something impossible, I want to believe with my whole heart. I want to get out there and run and accomplish whatever it is that this angel has asked me to do. But when I start to look at you guys and think, you know what, I've known you for a year or less or for five minutes, are you going to believe me because God told me to do something impossible? It's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to convince my parents you know, 750 miles away that God has asked me to do something impossible. So I don't think this was something that was easy for her to do, but she was willing to say yes. But the question is, are you willing to say yes as well to doing something impossible? It might be God might ask you to, to go out to your own town or your own neighborhood and go and tell every single person in, on your block or in your work cell or whatever at work about Jesus. Uh, sounds impossible. I don't know what to say. Those, I, those people aren't going to accept what I say. I don't want to accomplish that. I don't know the words to say. I couldn't convince anybody. That seems pretty impossible. Uh, making friends with a bully at school. If there happens to be a bully. Uh-uh, that bully is not going to receive me or anything that I say. He's not going to care. That sounds impossible. Taking off two weeks from work and going on a mission trip. Boy, I don't know. I don't know what my boss is going to say about that. I don't know what my friends are going to say about that. You know, they, we always go to the beach, or we always go to skiing, or we always do something else. I'm going to give up my two weeks for that? Impossible. I can't do that. It doesn't, I mean, obviously it is possible, but it's something that feels impossible. But you know what? There's, there's all the, the normal tasks that God can ask you to do, too. Uh, it's, like I said, signing up to help a vacation Bible school this summer. That's possible, right? Uh, supporting a missionary. You know, as a church, we support missionaries, but there's always, you know, God said, hey, you know what, I want you to add it, throw in 20 bucks a month and send it to the foxes every, every month. That's a possible task he might ask you to do. And it go, the list can go on and on of all the things that God might ask. It's just a matter of if we're willing to say yes to do something impossible. Are we willing to say yes to doing something impossible? Mary was just a simple girl. I know it's easy to look at her in the Bible and see the end from the beginning and how it worked out. And even though people kind of rejected her, Joseph still said yes, and she still got to have this birth of a king. 
that was a once in a, in a lifetime uh, opportunity, and it, all things worked out for her. But she didn't know the end from the beginning. Are we willing as I'm 39 years old, or I'm 40, or I'm 17, or I'm 11, to say whatever God is asking you to do, okay, I don't know the end from the beginning, but I'm willing to say yes to try to accomplish this impossible task or this possible task to do what you're asking me to do, God. And before I close, I want to, I want to talk about the impossibility of Christmas in the first place. Because, you know what, without Jesus, this is just another day. And it's a fun day, and it's a fun weekend. We, um, we have family come in for Christmas. We, we go places for Christmas. There's lots of fun Christmas songs. We get presents. I got a ham cooking, or we have a ham cooking at home. Uh, waiting for us when we get there. And I'm excited about that and the presence that the kids are going to open. It's great. But without Jesus, it's just another day. It's just another chance to get together. And Christmas is impossible without Jesus. Jesus coming down to this earth says that there is only one way to get to heaven. Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And it's impossible for us to get there on our own. I can't be good enough to get to heaven. I can't, be, I can't give enough money. I can't help enough people. I can't have enough popular opinion of all these people saying, yeah, Josh is such a good guy, and so he should get a ticket into heaven. There's no other way. It's impossible. This is not the impossible that's going to work out any other way. It's only possible to heaven through Jesus Christ. Christmas is only possible because of what Jesus did when he, he came to this earth the fun part of celebrating the birth of our Savior, but then in Easter when he died on the cross to pay for our sins, that's the only possible way to get to heaven. And so I want to challenge you to think about this Christmas. If you are not trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's not possible for you to get to heaven except for one way, and that's only by trusting Jesus as your Savior, admitting to him, hey, I'm a sinner, and because I've sinned, I cannot get to heaven, and God knows that. That's why he sent Jesus, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, Jesus, is eternal life. And, and by trusting him, we can have eternal life. And I just want to challenge you that don't, don't let this be just another day, another holiday, another great time of getting together with family. Enjoy those things, but remember, the reason Jesus came was to give you eternal life. And I, I encourage you to take the opportunity right now or on your way home or while you're sitting in bed or hiding in your closet to say, Jesus, you're the reason for the season. I want you in my life. Please, please save me from my sins. And he's going to do that because that's why he came. Let's pray.